Wherever your adventure takes you, it's nice to know you can travel well with a little help by your side. The Vacay Podcast, thanks to NIB Travel Insurance. checking for your passport, wheeling your suitcase along the shiny floors and glancing up at your flight departure time on the board. Then it's takeoff time. Welcome to the Vacay Podcast with me, Sophie Jackson. We'll cover it all. Great places to visit and stay, travel tips, insights, inspo and more. So whatever your plans, cruising, flying, package tours or solo adventures, you'll be inspired by the Vacay. Thanks to NIB, travel insurance to help you on your way. Let's see where we are off to today. On today's episode, I'm catching up with Maria, the country manager for Australia and New Zealand of Visit Britain. Hello, Maria. Good morning, Sophie. Hey, this is very exciting. And you sound like the absolute perfect person to be discussing (laughs) this destination. Where are we going? We are going right across Great Britain. That is what I call the three for the price of one. You've got England, Scotland and Wales. Lots to talk about. Yeah, this could have been a three-part episode even. There's Absolutely. So, so much to go over. Okay, Maria, we always start at the start. How do we get there? Um it's a great question and it's one of the most complicated ones you could possibly ask because <laughs> the kangaroo route is um, immensely competitive and congested. We've got over 20 airlines that service Oz uh, to England and you can go any which way. You can choose your continent in terms of going through. There is only one direct flight uh, and for, for us on the East Coast, we've still got to get ourselves over to Perth. Um So you you can go every which way. I have to say we're all super excited about Qantas's uh, Project Sunrise because for the first time in aviation history, next year you're going to connect that final frontier uh, Ah. uh, with direct flights, not just from Perth, but from Sydney and Melbourne to London. Like, bring it on. How wonderful. It's, It's the final... Uh, aviation challenge that has yeah. eluded the world. What's and, the um? And, what what would the total flight time on that be? Like, say, from Sydney to London. I believe it's going to be something in the vicinity of nineteen hours. So that's you know, crazy. You need to take a good book with you yeah, and, a lot of, and some good films. <laughs> um, but look, a, a lot of us are holding out uh, uh, for that. So that's an that's a real exciting moment um, for the two nations and. You know, it's two nations that that I always argue you're, you're going to struggle to find two nations with more connective tissue, you know, than Oz and the UK. And we're bound by so much, by history, by culture, heritage, little bit of sporting rivalry, maybe. Yeah, just a touch. Um, but, you know, great mateship underneath all that. We might not say it out loud, but we actually like and respect each other. And that is really obvious in the enormous amount of traffic that goes both ways. Britain to Oz and Oz to Britain. Um, and the, the numbers always amaze people. You know, we're sending over a million Aussies into the UK every year. Uh, we are fourth most valuable market to the British visitor economy. 
Uh, for a quarter last year, we were more valuable than France, which blows my mind, right? Yeah, Three wow. times the population, half an hour away. Um, Australia plays a massive role in the British visitor economy. So we kind of, you know, we're great mates. And I, yeah. I like to talk about that mateship because it's a lot that drives us to, to keep visiting, not just once, but over and over. It's something of a rite of passage, really, for a lot of young Aussies in particular to head over and yeah. do gap years and travel. And it's, you know, really the gateway to the rest of Europe. So it's a definitely fantastic destination to get over to. Now, Maria, there's so much to talk about. And as we just said before we started recording, how long's a piece of string? We can go very far into it. But I really want to give the listener the idea, if you haven't been over there before to Great Britain, what can you expect? And what are some different things that you can look forward to? <laughs> Where to start, as you say, Sophie, like this, the the offer in Britain um, is genuinely not just something for everyone, a lot for everyone. Mm. And, you know, I, I would throw down another gauntlet and really challenge you to find another nation than Britain that really boasts more world famous sporting, musical, cultural events and venues year in, year out. So people are often asking me what's hot and I'm saying you don't need a what's hot moment no. in the UK, although they're for you know they're perennial. Um, you, you're going, you know, the best of theatre, film, sport. You've got whether it's Glastonbury is your bag, whether it's Royal Covent Garden, whether it's the West End or whether you're more into your sports, your Lords, your Wimbledon, your Twickenham, uh, Goodwood <laughs> Festival of Speed, Ascot, Henley, you know, you get the idea. This is packed with things we've all heard of. Wimbledon, um, it's it's just never ending. And the so the cultural sporting uh, offer there is year in, year out. And as a former Londoner, now yeah. Aussie, you just can't consume it all. Um, and it's not just London either, it's nationwide. So um, it's a cultural sporting powerhouse indeed. You know, maybe let's not forget the Premier League, that old mm. little thing, <laughs> you know, Old Trafford, yeah. Wembley and all those sorts of things. But you've got this year, if we are talking the sort of news, you've got it's the 200th anniversary of the National Portrait Gallery. That's mm. That's one to flag. Um, you've also got, this is my one that is on my bucket list to check out, um, opening uh, 2425 is the Museum of Shakespeare. They're kind of alleging that Shakespeare doesn't belong to Stratford, Avon. he belongs to Shoreditch, mm -hmm. apparently started his theatrical career there. Not, not sure about that, but apparently yeah. there you go. But it sounds astonishing. It's not a dusty old museum, Sophie. It's fully immersive it's like escaping back into Shakespeare's world. Wow. So I really, really, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The other thing that I think is just extraordinary and you wouldn't necessarily uh, equate with England, you're never more than two hours from the ocean in, yeah, exactly. in the UK. And the King Charles III coastal path, which will be the longest in the world, it pretty much circumnavigates the island. I think it's something like four and a half thousand miles long. Um, it's fully open. Much of it is open now, but by the end of this year, um, it will be fully open and it will wow. be an extraordinary thing. I don't know that you'd want to walk it in one go, no. <laughs> but there's some rather beautiful little chunks. So look, I, I could talk even what's new yeah. for the next three hours. I think there are two or three things that are certainly on my bucket list to check out. 
And I suppose it's always a great idea and that's why it's good to go in to see travel agents and stuff because everyone's um, likes and, uh, you know, things they're interested in are so different. So it might be history and culture and, you know, hiking and sports. It might be, you know, food and wine and whatever. So it's really a great idea to see what's on. There's so much to do. If you're packing essentials for your next travel adventure, consider making room for this. NIB Travel Insurance and make your trip memorable for all the right reasons. Great holiday memories are priceless, but not unexpected hiccups. Whether you're hiking through New Zealand or cruising on picturesque Mediterranean waterways, NIB has a range of plans to suit your trip. Get a quote at nib.com.au slash adventure. Consider the PDS, TMD, and if this product is right for you, issue a Pacific International Insurance. I love sort of asking about accommodation. The scale is huge. I mean, you can be in a 12-bed backpackers or you can be in a five-star luxury hotel, but what are some of the usual things we see across uh, Great Britain in terms of accommodation, Maria? Oh, I I love this question. I love, love, love it. I I think um, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say I can't think of another city in the world with as many five-star hotels as London and uh and as if we've not already got enough there are seven new ones opening including Raffles, Six Senses, Park Hyatt, so Waldorf there's some real fab ones coming online too but if you're not at the sort of five-star hotel end of the things you can stay in many a castle by the way It doesn't just have to be looked at from a distance on the screen, but you've got luxury glamping, you've got yurts, you've got tree houses, lighthouses, prisons, train carriages, you know, there's, it's just extraordinary, the the range. And one very interesting and very welcome thing, I think, is the emergence of new ecologically friendly green stays. You know, there's a wonderful place in Cornwall called the Emerald, which is the UK's first net zero um, oh wow! Extraordinary, and there's a um, there's tree dwellers in the Cotswolds, which is sort of immersed into the forest, and it's tree houses that just blend into the forest. Um, and up in this is another one on my secret bucket list. Up in Scotland, in Aberdeenshire, actually, there's seventy acres of rewilded paradise, and you've got wood burning hot tubs and. Oh this unique accommodation, including uh, underground burrow houses, luxury converted grain silos, and this boutique tree house, it just looks magical. So, um, and again, I've got a list as as long as your arm here of these (laughs) ecologically friendly spas and very unusual, um, engaging personality, you know, places with a lot of personality and soul. So whatever, true again, you see, whatever is your your thing Mm. you're going to find it somewhere in England Scotland or Wales for sure yeah and it's sort of building into your holiday experience too having some of those places how amazing now really I love it's it's, I like putting things into perspective in terms of budget because it is hard to sort of have an idea when you're living wherever you are in the world and someone goes I'm going to Japan or I'm going to Los Angeles or wherever about how much things cost so I sort of always like to ask What's a coffee cost? What does a beer cost? Just to put it into perspective for the everyday person, what you can sort of expect in terms of budget. So can you give me an idea of where those two things sit in terms of coffee, beer, or a meal even? 
That's a very Aussie question of you, Sophie. I, <laughs> I you. applaud your interest in coffee and beer and share it. Um, look, it, it's it's like it's like here, Sophie. It very much depends where you're buying it from. Of course. So um, there's a bit a bit of an Aussie invasion, you know, of coffee of Aussie baristas taking over London, which you know secretly I'm quite pleased about. Yes. Um, and of course, you know, we're stereotyped as Brits as avid tea drinkers, but this it is a genuinely emerging coffee culture there as well. And you can get, I'm, I'm going to say very confidently, Aussie grade coffee um, across the UK now. You've got, I mean, Daisy Green, that's a, a an establishment run by an Aussie, even infiltrated the National Portrait Gallery, mm. one of their outlets. But, you know, there's Little Fitzroy, another Aussie group in Edinburgh. There's another one in Wrexham in Wales. And the last time I went home, uh, which is about 18 months ago, I think I paid three, three or four pounds for a really nice coffee. Um, but you don't have to spend that. There are no. much more affordable options. But, you know, if we're spoiling ourselves and keeping the Aussie grade up and a beer costs you about a fiver. But remember, um, Brits do drink it by the bucket. Yeah, no, that's a right. Pint. So, you know, we don't mess about with Skinner's and Midges there. It's a great huge pint full of the stuff. Um, and again, associated very much like the tea with beer but less known i mean of course we're also i hope known for gin and yes. scotland uh, has got this little you know we dram called the whiskey they're not bad at that either <laughs> um but also this is lesser known there is a really burgeoning sparkling wine scene um in sussex actually do you know they've got 138 vineyards wineries in sussex alone Gee. and uh, we've won some we've surprised the french with a few sparkling awards wow. in recent times and in fact french champagne house tattinger have planted the first ever champagne vine in the uk so um i think apart from the beers and the booze um, i'm going to stick my neck out again and declare london the cocktail capital of the world ah yes you know you've got dukes if you want to go traditional dukes basically invented the James Bond martini. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to get back to that, you know, iconic Britain could only be in yeah. the UK. Dukes takes a bit of beating, really. Old England. Um, but I one of my favourites is Cahoots. Have you heard of Cahoots? No. In Soho, it's basically like a, a vintage style speakeasy and it's in a disused underground station. Oh. Amazing amazing and their their concoctions and potions i couldn't even you know they're just bewildering in their uh creativity uh, and there's loads of them there's just yeah, hundreds wow. and hundreds so yeah beer's going to set you back between four and six pounds something like that mm -hmm. um for the pint yeah there you go okay so staying on the same sort of topic in terms of food i mean the British, their foods, you know, it can be hit and miss, can't it? I mean, they're very good at a, um, a fry up, a good brekkie. What else have we got to expect when we head over to Great Britain? I mean, they've got some fantastic restaurants, but what are some things we've really got to try? And I know you would expect someone with this with this accent to say this, but I'm going to to say. I think Britain's fixed the food up in spectacular fashion over the last decade. Now, okay. we've been more than fashionably late, that I will admit. <laughs> but but honestly, we've way we've gone way past the fish and chip era. Now, I still maintain that uh, you can't go past Britain for a curry. 
You know, Birmingham mm. invented the Baltic, for example. It invented the Baltic. Um, so curry's great. But the, re the reality is, truthfully, joking aside, there has been an absolute food revolution in Britain, without mm. a doubt. So you've got 188 Michelin-starred restaurants, you know, a huge number in London, of course, but Birmingham has got the most Michelin-starred restaurants after London. Um, but what I love about it is nationwide, you've got this incredible array of gastro pubs where the quality of the produce and the creativity of the execution has dramatically improved. So you don't need to go to these super expensive elite restaurants these days to have a genuinely surprising and astonishing food experience in the UK. You've got all the fabulous markets, you know, that's mm -hmm. brilliant. Um, and you've got the local delicacies. You've got, you know, we know the fish and chips, but don't miss the Yorkshire pudding. That's my personal favourite with some roast beef. You've got, you know, your Cornish pasties, your Eton mess. We thank the, the yes. UK for our Eton mess. Bit of a bit of a British form of pavlova, I reckon. <laughs> um, but look, genuinely, I'm going to say, if you haven't been to the UK in the last five or ten years, you are genuinely in for a surprise because it's not what it was um, some time ago. And it just goes on, like the gastro pubs. My family live in Suffolk, which most people won't have been to. And East Anglia, I think, is one of my insider tips because it is just packed with wibbly-wobbly old Tudor villages that Aussies will love and thousand-year-old pubs. But the food scene is honestly Aussie grade um, and there's some really fabulous like um, kitchen gardens outside these old pubs it's yeah it's terrific Sophie I'm, really... I'm going to defend our honour <laughs> and you sh and rightfully so there's really nothing better I sometimes think about it you know especially on like a drizzly day or something here and I'm in Melbourne I sometimes go oh god I could be sitting in a cozy London pub just somewhere beautiful it's just the yeah it's just such a feeling and they're so good at it before you head off on holiday and create all those unforgettable memories, there's one thing to consider and it doesn't involve packing an extra phone charger. Travel insurance. It can be such a downer when things don't go to plan, so don't let it happen. Consider packing yourself NIB Travel Insurance. They have a range of domestic and international plans to protect you and your trip, so you can explore the world. Don't let unexpected events like an injury, sickness, stolen belongings or cancer or delayed flights keep you off track. Search NIB Travel Insurance. They'll help you on your way so you can travel well. Get a quote at nib.com.au slash adventure. Consider the PDS, TMD and if this product is right for you, issue our Pacific International Insurance. Maria, look, there, there's so much to go over in terms of how to get around Great Britain and there's all different ways to do it. Of course, you can drive, the train systems are great. There's anything you can do. But really, what in terms of packages and, and things that you would recommend, and you're the expert, I mean, what are, what are some things and, and um, packages that people can book and some itineraries you recommend? Yeah, yeah, look, you're right to call out the self-drive and the rail because Aussies really uh, punch above their weight there. Uh, mm. They love getting out and about and... Um, Australia is actually among the leading markets for their use of rail. And it's part of what makes Aussies get into the four corners far more than your average traveller. Um, but I'm going to share three because, I, I, again, we could be here all day, but I'm going to yeah. give you three genuine perlers here. There's okay. a, and they're all bookable, I believe, by Aviva Holidays. Mm -hmm. um, South England and Cornwall 
I mean, look, these are what I, I'm going to call the honey pots. They're 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 known and they're beautiful. Um, so some of your listeners may well have done this before. You've got so many highlights in that one. You've got you're going along the Jurassic Coast, Southampton to Exeter. Falmouth, including Dartmoor National Park. You've got your thatched cottages, your little cosy tea shops. You've got the fabulous Cornwall with that little baby castle thing on, on um, St. Michael's Mount, which you can actually walk out to across the sand at low tide. You've got Cheddar Gorge, famous for the cheese. You've got the Roman baths in Bath, that's 2,000 years old. And you return to London via the Cotswolds. So if, if you want a real highlights tour, it's difficult to go past that. Um, but I'm also going to recommend a Scottish one because this okay. is spectacular and dramatic. You've got a Highlands and Islands of Scotland tour, which will blow you away. You've got a tw- it's a 12 day self drive itinerary from Glasgow to Edinburgh. And you've got Loch Lomond. You've got the Trossachs National Park. Uh, You've got uh, the Glenfinnan Viaduct, which is you've got to see in your lifetime. Uh, the new V&A Museum in Dundee, believe it or not. You've got golf in St Andrews. You might have heard about that little mm-hmm. golf course. You've got Edinburgh and you've got Leith. So really, it's Scotland's riposte to that <laughs> England itinerary. And, and it's not going to disappoint you. And then, you know, Wales. People are increasingly intrigued by Wales, and rightly so, post-Rexham. Do you know it's got more castles per square mile than any other nation on Earth? This is, is Wales. Right? Yeah, not England, yeah. it's Wales. And there's a seven-day self-drive around Wales, which is, I've done this one, and it is it really is very memorable. You've got, of course, Cardiff. You've got Pembrokeshire National Park, which is the only truly coastal national park in Britain. And it is really something. You've got St. David's, you've got Snowdonia National Park. That doesn't disappoint, I can tell you. You've got Brecon Beacons National Park. That's an absolute winner. And if you're in Wales, I have to tell you, Port Mirren is not missable. It's like a little, it's almost like Capri, dare I say. It's a <laughs> little collection of pastel-coloured, wibbly-wobbly houses in the cliff face. And you believe you're sort of in Italy. It's crazy pretty. So, look, th- there's one in, I've been very um, uh, ecumenical here. I've, I've got a Wales itinerary, a Scotland and an England. And they are, I couldn't pick between them. They are all equally fabulous. Well, it sounds like three, it sounds like three great spots, to, even in the one trip. Yeah, absolutely. Back, back to back. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're distance proof Aussies, right? It's not going to be right. daunted by that. So it really, I think that's part of what we love about it. You can pack so much in. And also because you're going, especially if you're coming from Australia, and we're not saying that everyone is, but, you know, if you're heading over from Aussie, it's such a long way to go. You want to sort of get as much in as you can. And that's why I love yes. some of these packages or tours or itineraries that are set out for you because you're like, I'm not going to miss anything. Someone has put this together especially for someone like me who doesn't know anything about whales, for example, and you get to experience so much. So it's fantastic. In terms of the practicalities, um, Maria, visas, what do we need for over there? Um, Well, at the moment, you don't need anything. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I must flag that this is slated to change with the introduction of the UK's electronic travel authorizations in ETAs, which many of us will be familiar with for many other destinations. Um, so is this the one they keep pushing? Is it this one they keep pushing back? Um, well, it's on a sliding scale. So, you know, if if you, if you're going to the U S or Canada, you'll be very familiar with this. Um, but it's, I think the only timeframe we've got at this point is by the end of this year, by the end of 24, we're probably going to need an ETA. 
but um, what we promised is it will be low cost and super easy. So it's going to be £10 um, and it's going to be one of those very light touch digital quick processes. So it's not a matter of, you know, waiting weeks and months for it. It's going to be very quick and easy. Yeah, that's that's so much better. So, I mean, we could go on and on and on about this. I think the highlights are really to, that we need to get across to people who are interested in heading over to Great Britain is that you can do it on your own and it isn't intimidating. I mean, as someone I've lived in London for a number of years, the transport there, getting around, you are on the doorstep of Europe. There's so much you can see and do. It's really one of those things, you know, having a discussion with someone like yourself and being able to go, this is the kind of holiday I want, this is the budget, and working backwards that way, yeah. there is so much to do absolutely and, and you you really can do it on a, on a wide range of budgets um a little bit of research and you can pull together whatever you whatever your heart desires really <laughs> absolutely thank you for all your tips about that maria it's absolutely incredible if you're packing essentials for your next travel adventure consider making room for this niv travel insurance and make your trip memorable for all the right reasons great holiday memories are priceless but not unexpected hiccups whether you're traveling around australia or indulging in a grand european adventure niv has a range of plans to suit your trip Get a quote at nib.com.au slash adventure. Consider the PDS, TMD, and if this product is right for you, issue a Pacific International Insurance. I don't want to let you go without picking your brain a bit more about what you love doing. Where is your favourite place to holiday? Oh, look, the, the team's sick of hearing me say, go go on about Bath, but I, I'm going to admit it's Bath. I wish I could I wish I wish could suggest something that's not a honeypot because it's not exactly undiscovered, but it is just very special. You know, it's the um, only city in the UK that's a World Heritage Site, for example. You've got the 2,000-year-old Baths, but what I love is the sort of, and what I think Britain does incredibly well, is that sort of buttery, stone-clad, uh, historic um pat the patina of age as i call it that you sort of smelling and breathing in history but it sits alongside striking modernity and you've got the coolest bars the funkiest shops um and so look personally and you, you'd be a bit familiar with it if you've got hooked on bridgerton because that's yes, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the bridgerton <laughs> landscape but you know the other thing that's um i'm doing in a couple of months actually i'm going back in a couple of months um, Northumberland, I think, is another one of those hidden gems because the water there is the sand and the water is white sand, turquoise water. People don't believe me when I say this, but it, it's true. And you've got um, more castles in Northumberland than any other county in England. You've got Bamborough, which I always call the castle on the beach. I mean, who, you can't beat that, can you? Um, so I'm personally, I've been holding out to do the broomstick flying lessons at Annick Castle because I, I love a bit of Harry Potter. Yeah. And, and apparently the broomstick flying lessons, even for the hardened cynics, uh, is a thrill and people love it. So I'm keen to do that. They've also got um, one of the world's biggest and most spectacular poison gardens, can you believe? So I'm looking forward to going exploring Northumberland a bit more. Um, they're also, by the way, the largest um, dark sky park in the UK. Uh, and they're really known, apparently, for their really pristine dark skies and stargazing. Star wow. So Northumberland is my pst, secret yes. tip. Um, 
where you, you probably jostle with a few fewer tourists than Bath, I'm guessing, um, and it looks quite spectacular. I haven't been, I will admit, since I was 22, so I'm looking forward to getting back there with the knowledge I'm armed with and exploring that. There are over 70 castles in Northumberland alone, believe it or not. It's that's, extraordinary. That's wild. I, never, I would never have thought that. Oh, okay. I'll pop those on the list. Pop Maria, you're a seasoned traveller. What are some top travel tips that you have for the listeners? I, I tell you what I do every time, and I shall be doing it in March. I pack a lightweight hold all. It's nylon. It weighs nothing. It's very flat, and it turns into a spare suitcase. Because believe me, you're going to be seduced by the shopping mm. and shopping in Britain is particularly for the, you know, the, the Aussie um, is pretty hard to beat. So uh, that's my tip. I mean, you, you, you always pack a waterproof, you always pack something for warm weather and cold weather. But really, um, go prepared for shopping. I'm promising you that you will be bringing back a lot more than you, you took out, whatever your bag is. So that's my that's my real tip. And mm -hmm. make sure that you've got your your nice viewing downloaded onto your device for that aeroplane and go, this is a wonderful opportunity to indulge myself in in some plain grub and a nice bit of uh, British <laughs> film and TV. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, hidden, hidden gems. You've just touched on this in Northumberland. But is there anything else that you can think of? Well, look, I, I, I think that whole broomstick, it's, it's tapping into something important here because screen tourism is a very big deal. And our research shows that it motivates an enormous proportion of our outbound to go and see the places in the flesh that they've seen on the on the TV or the silver screen. So, for example, this always amazes me. Um, Castle Howard, that is, you know, of Bridgerton fame, um, its visitors increased by more than 3,000% after that program was released. Of course, it was a massive Netflix hit, the biggest ever, I believe. Um, so there's a lot of film and TV experiences that really deliver. Um, I'm Another one I'm doing in March that everyone has raved about so much I want to do is the um, Harry Potter Studios tour the warner studios tour yes. which is apparently just unbelievable um you can do fabulous regal tours of bath my favorite um <laughs> to see those re you know those beautiful curved buttery ochre hues of the regency houses of bath there's an actually there's a great tour of that um you could do the James Bond if you're a bit more into adventure. You could do the James Bond experience, you know, where the car chase happened. Um, you can go to the Cairngorms National Park in Scotland. It's, it's so dramatic and beautiful. And if you've not seen Wonka yet. Oh, um, I saw it the other day. All shot in Britain. Mm. Um, and it's uh, another famous chocolatier from, from England, John Cadbury, is celebrating 200 years since he opened his first store. And there's a really fabulous Cadbury experience in um, Birmingham. So look, what am I doing? I'm doing the Warner's tour, Harry Potter. I'm doing the broomstick flying. Um, and uh, I have done and can also recommend the Peaky Blinders tour in Birmingham in the West Midlands. It's fantastic. Um, even though actually, believe it or not, it's all shot in Liverpool. Oh, really? But yes, but Birmingham saw massive increased <laughs> yeah. visitation off the back of Peaky Blinders, but it was shot in Liverpool. That is so funny. Oh, there's just... 
So I really, I, I we almost need a three-parter, Maria. I could talk to you all day. There's so much to see and do. It's such a fantastic destination. It's exciting. It's historic. It's cultural. It's got everything you could want out of a holiday. It really does. So I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for the three-part series, Sophie. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it, we could talk Scotland alone really easily. No, I um, know. It, Oh, you are just fantastic. You're a wealth of knowledge, Maria, and I really appreciate you breaking down the whole of Great Britain with me. What an exciting destination. You're making me feel like booking a ticket to go back. That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I'll see you there in March then, Sophie. Yeah, enjoy that. Oh, Maria, thank you. You are awesome. Thanks for listening to The Vacate. You can discover the best deals on flights, hotels, cruises and holiday packages at Hello World Travel. Book online or find your nearest Hello World Travel agency at helloworld.com.au. It's where better adventures begin. The Vacate Podcast, brought to you by the team at NIB. Travel insurance to help you on your way.